uh, join me in prayer. All right, Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the beautiful weather, Lord, your creation, just the time that we get to spend um, just in awe of the uh, opportunity, the weather that we've got outside this weekend, Lord. And for the message today, we know your hand is on Nick, Lord, and we just appreciate um, the opportunity to hear your word through him. It's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Morning, guys. Thank you. That video is cool, isn't it? My name is Nick. And I, I, hi, and <laughs> and I love the gospel. It is if if I don't say anything but say the gospel, then that's that's what matters. This story is so cool of of such an awesome God who we've separated ourselves from, but who with such great power and such great humility has has made a way for us to know him, to be with him, to be his children as we've separated him as we separate ourselves from his household. Um, why I started with that was we're talking about growing up is, is you, you need a reason to grow up, I would think. You, and, I, and I don't want to be sneaky about my motivations. And it's, the, the deal is, when people told me how to, I needed to grow up when I was a kid, I was like, I don't really want to. I see the standard of grown up you're you're shooting me towards, and I don't want anything to do with it. So it, it's kind of about motivation and and a, and a standard. So the so we kind of need motivation to aspire to a standard. So for me to tell you to grow up, first of all, you're like, well, who in the world do you think you are? You look like a child, anyways, and you certainly act like one. Um, there will be no poop or pee jokes today, I don't think. So no promises. Um, and so why would I grow up? Why would I mature? What am I maturing to? We talk about maturity as a mature person having completed natural growth and development, having attained a final or desired state. So what is your desired state? What is your, uh, what's your standard? And, and what's your motivation to, to get there? So, so I want to open up about Standard and motivation, a motivation to aspire to a standard. And to kind of introduce that idea a little bit, I'm going to tell a story about, about a time when I was younger. And, and, I, and the, the story of the gospel didn't really mean that much to me. I kind of knew about it, but I, I certainly, it certainly wasn't real to me, and I certainly wasn't living it. And so I, I got my driver's license when I was like 15, 16, I forget, whatever the rules were in Tennessee, or no, Kentucky at the time. And, and my first car was this red truck. I really, it was a really cool truck. I really liked it. There's, thanks. Thanks, Darren. And so it, this isn't the exact picture, but that is a very, I was really impressed how close it was. And I was not a good driver. I was given this really cool truck. And for me, that was a toy. You know, it's almost like a, like, and, and so I, I drove, I did not drive very well. I, uh, you would get three points for every ticket you got, or every standard ticket. So like anything above 10 miles an hour, but below 25 miles an hour over the speed limit. You get three points. You could have 12 points on your license, and then they take it. They suspend it. So I was driving with six points on my license at the time, did something really dumb, um, and, and, uh, and so then I got a six-pointer. And so, oh, man. But we knew a judge. He said, oh, all right. I, you guys are all right. So the points went away. I didn't have to pay for that one. Gone. And I also didn't learn my lesson. From that time, for the next four years, I totaled two cars, that red truck, my mom's Suburban, and then just all kinds of other nonsense. And, and so that's not the actual truck. I, <laughs> I, just, I, I appreciate your sympathy. Um, 
But imagine how I felt when I had to go to my mom Christmas Eve and say, oh, yeah, I know I, re- I totaled the truck about a year ago, but I also just totaled your Suburban. Um, yeah, I know. So anyway, and so, I, so I, you know, I, I wasn't really hurting anybody. You know, I still had my license. I was still getting, I was still getting to drive. I was still getting cars. You know, it's, uh, I really didn't have a lot of motivation to change. I, I thought, well, I'm fine. Everything's good. One day, Kelsey, she's, uh, she was my future wife at the time, wife now. Um, she was in the car, and I was just driving like a maniac. And she got really, really mad at me. And I'm like, why are you so mad at me? You are fine. And you got to be in a car on two wheels. Are you not stoked about this? <laughs> and, and so she was just so, so mad at me. And, and I was just so resistant to what was going on until I understood. And then I saw it. I, I, I saw a dose of reality. She was mad because my fun and desire, my desire to have fun, was more important than her well-being and her life. Because the truth is, I, I, I was no expert driver. I was just a, a, a guy just trying to have fun being an idiot, all selfishly. So all of a sudden, I realized my fun, my desire was more important than her life. And at the time, I really liked her. And at the time, I didn't understand why. Uh, I, was a, I was a big dummy. But, and she also was just a really great lady. Last night, I said something really dumb about her on accident, and it came out just so wrong, and so I just had to say that this time. But she's a great lady, and, <laughs> but, but, so whether I realized it or not, the reality was, Kelsey's life was more important than my fun. That was true before I realized it, but it was, it was kind of hard for me to come to that realization, funny enough, it shouldn't have been. Um, but seeing reality gave me the motivation to to aspire to a different standard, a new standard, one where, okay, I'm not going to drive like a lunatic anymore because I, I'd like to keep her alive. And she got really mad at me. I didn't like that. And so they can, I mean, they can be pretty tough. And so it's, it was an incredibly difficult thing for me to accept for how obvious it seems now. But remember, I wasn't a Christian. I thought I was in charge and I got to pick what was important. I kind of had a God complex, you guys see how that, that goes? So, so I need to realize that I'm a selfish, immature, needy sinner, if that's what I am. I needed to realize that Kelsey's life was more important than my fun, if that's true. Okay, the, the, the standard, the motivation. And so back to the being a selfish, funny little immature sinner. I thought I was pretty good. I was nice. I was a nice guy. I helped people. I didn't get mad at people. I was just, I, was, I took care of business. I was just... When people were mean to me, I was still really nice. But it wasn't really going to get me anywhere because we have a holy and godly standard in front of us. And it's a standard that we fall ever so short of. But instead of acknowledging that there is a standard that we don't stand up to, instead of acknowledging that we're separated from God like we were shown in that video, I chose to ignore that standard and make up my own standard to define truth on my own, my own morality, deciding what was right and wrong. And then all of a sudden, I seemed pretty okay. I was like, oh, there's not really a problem. Look, here's the, here's the actual, here's my standard, and I'm pretty okay by that standard. It doesn't seem very mature, given the evidence that we have for God and his love and the things he's done for us. Now, he knows that these reality checks, he knows that maturity, he knows that growing up into to being, to being fully devoted Christians, to being Christians can, can be tough because of our sinful nature. So he encourages us through that. 
The Bible encourages us to be open to correction or discipline, even though it seems difficult through our, through our prideful feelings. Here in Hebrews, both of these, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. I was really mad at Kelsey for getting mad at me. I was like, who do you think you are? We're fine. You, know, you guys, I already told you how I was. And, but then when, when I saw the truth of it, well, for one, I stopped losing $300 to a ticket every six months or whatever it happened to be. But, but also that did bleed into other areas of my life. Everything, school, skydiving. I was a skydiving instructor. So imagine how much better of an instructor I became when it wasn't about, hey, how much fun can we have on this jump? And, and how, how can I, tra- instead of that, now I'm, how can I train you? How can I keep you safe? And how can, how can we go forward there? So yeah, it was, I mean, I know it's silly, right? I mean, what a, I, I should have, it should have been obvious to me, but but going through it and being willing to be humbled, being willing to be corrected, it brought about some good things. So for today, as we're telling you to grow up, let's prepare to be humbled. Let's prepare to look at, at reality, the reality that God has set, in for, set forth in front of us, and then and go from there. So let's prepare. Are you ready? The state of the world is really, really ugly. Oh, y'all don't seem surprised. Okay. The state of our hearts are at times very, very ugly. We are backstabbers, cheaters, liars, murderers, thieves. Some defend this and say, well, you can't be perfect. You're right. We can't be. That's why the gospel. That's why God says this. A voice said, shout. I said, what should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. So first thing, prepare. We're not the pinnacle. We're not the most important thing. But God is. He is eternal. He's right there. The only thing we can count on as being eternal and unchanging is God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and filled with love for you and me. So, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. He is eternal. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't be attracted by these strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace. Not rules about food which don't help those who follow them. Did you catch that? Our strength comes from God's grace, who is eternal. We are frail, but God is powerful. 
and willing to provide. Just like he provided a way for us. That we were talking about in that video, the gospel, Jesus. Jesus told him, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And then bringing it down, calling to the crowd, he lays it out. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross. I mean, he's talking about dying. He's talking about how he was crucified on the cross. We take up our cross and follow him. So die to our preferences, our desires, our nature, and trade it for something much better and follow him. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it anyway. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world as you're trying to get this and get that, but you lose your soul? So far, we are frail. God says, I got you. Depend on me. Lean on me. Let me have your life. Reject your way. You need me. And I will take care of you. I will raise you to this new life. Jesus was rejected, killed, and resurrected. He showed us that we have to reject our our sinful nature, we need to die to that part, and then we, we grow to a new life in Christ. That's why we call it being reborn. So we give, up, we give up that stuff and submit to God to the point of obedience to God's rules, not ours. There's the maturity for a follower of Jesus and the goal here on earth to be obedient. And so when we do that, thanks to Jesus, we can live in light of the realities of heaven. It's a long one, I know. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So I pause there. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. When, when my kids do something ridiculous and it makes me so mad and I just want to go nuts, I can remember, ah, Jesus is way cooler than this. It's a really oversimplification there, but think about it. If, you're, if you just want a million dollars and then your car breaks down, you don't care. Oh, I got a million dollars. You know, Jesus is way bigger, way better than a million dollars. I'll pick up. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And then Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world. You will share in all his glory. So, here's that part about Put into death. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires. We'll, we'll come back to this list. But you, you, get the, you get where we're headed. So wrapping up the motivation portion. The realities of heaven, which are made possible for us by Jesus' sacrifice, not our works. There's our motivation. And the standard that we saw there in the back Bring in, bring in the, bringing that back up if you don't mind. The standard there we see at the end. Don't be greedy. Nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, worshiping things of this world, money, time, kids, you name it. It's a, it's a big list, and it's a, it can be a very hard list. And so this isn't something that is just, just there and done. This is a continual growth process. 
here in Ephesians 4, if any of you guys have been following along in the, um, the study guide that we put out, Ephesians 4, 12 through 14, it may have been 11 through 16 that was on the study guide. We, we've been right through it. It says, we talk about equipping God's people to do his work and to build up the church. If you don't mind throwing that one up, Mr. Darren. Ephesians 4. I know, I, I got you backwards a little bit. That was my fault. So it, it talks about equipping God's people. So the word equip that we're going to see, it, it's talking about a, a perfecting. You know, it's a continual process of, of perfecting. And perfecting, Jesus, Jesus is the standard of being more like Jesus. And so our goal is to do just that. Our goal is to grow up in Christ and to be more mature like him. That's what's important. So, so here, if we, if we think this through, there being a continual process. So it will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. The, the complete, the standard of Christ. We will no longer be immature once we measure up to the standard of Christ. Now, is anybody here done being, being matured? Yeah, I didn't think so. You get it. It's continual, and we keep going, and we can't do it on our own. So God is the grower. Do we have, uh, does Romans 12 work in? perfect. Thank you. And so, so God is the, the perfect, awesome, capable grower. He is, he is above our ways and smarter and stronger. He's, he's better looking. And so because of that, let's give our God, bodies to God because of all he's done for you. You see, so if we have a realistic perspective of reality, then why wouldn't we give our lives back to him? Okay, you run my life. Let our lives be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. You know, if somebody does something really cool, you want to go tell them, oh, wow, that, this is just, you just did so great and so awesome. What can I do for you? And we acknowledge the gospel message we saw in that video. It's like, wow, God, you're so awesome and so cool. What can I do for you? He tells you, you can give me your life back. I gave it to you. Now you can give it to me and let it be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind I will find acceptable. This is the way to worship me. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You are transformed into a new person. God will do that. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You will know God's will for you. How many of you guys think, God, what do you want me to do? Well, we got to get here, and then we will know. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So the high point's there is give your life to God. It's a level of submission and obedience, and don't let the created keep you from the creator. Realize that we are created, and we aren't greater than the creator. So don't think we're better than we really are. And then moving on to the next half of that one that we're going to talk to. So just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. Talking about the body of the church. We are many parts, and all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things. So if God has given you the ability to prophecy, prophecy. If, 
If, he's, if your gift is serving, serve. If you're a teacher, teach. If your gift is to encourage, be encouraging. If your gift is giving, then give. If he's given you the uh, leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. I just read a lot. So to sum those up, the bullet points from that little section, we're part of a whole. So we're meant to be unified into one. Unified by Christ. We have different gifts for doing different things, which is why we're meant to be unified. And another thought real quick. We also have different struggles. Every single one of us has struggled and. Some, some of, a lot of them are similar, but we have our struggles too. They also equip us to help and serve each other too. So nothing you go through is an accident and not intended to help you serve God the way he wants you to do it. Love others and hold tight to the good. Hate the sin, not the people. Love others and hold tight to the good and take your responsibility seriously. Like we're kind of like, oh, he's done the work. He saved us. I'm okay. You know, take it seriously. Hey, there is something God wants you to do. And, and we'll, we'll continue to, to build this point a little bit more. And so we, we saw those, those verses there in, in Colossians 3, the 5 through 10 now, which is the back half. So look at this list again. Uh, have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now's the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Easy thing to say right? It is tough, tough to do. So we fall so far from the standard, and, and if, as we want to continue to grow and mature, it's a tough road. It, it's kind of like a sponge, and, and forgive me for this if this isn't going to make any sense, but have you ever tried to clean a pan after cooking bacon on it with a sponge? I never use a sponge for this reason, and then the sponge has just got all this crap in it. You can't get it out, and, and it, you, you wring it and wring it and wring it, and finally you get it to be a useful sponge again. The stuff we saw in Colossians, that's, we're sponges. That's what we've soaked up into ourselves. And if I tried to reuse that sponge before getting it wrung out, it was just, I was just going to get other plates dirty. And, they couldn't, and the sponge couldn't soak up any water anymore. It was full of grease and just all kinds of stuff. So it had to be wrung out so that it could accept fresh water and do the things God has intended for it to do. So y'all, y'all, y'all see the, the need to be humbled, the need to expect reality checks that are hard and to acknowledge that it is a tough deal. So how do we do it? How do you wring out the grease and oil and nonsense in your lives? I don't know if I'm in trouble for saying crap or not, so I won't say it again. The stuff in that sponge. And, and <laughs> so how do we do that? And remember, Jesus said, don't you, you give your life to me. Let me do it. So by giving our lives to this love, love that comes with great power, 
that reconciles us to God. This is the same power it, has, it is going to mature us and grow us into what God has in store for us in the church, in society. They're, they're intermingled. There's no church life, work life, home life. It, it is, we are the same God-loving Christian everywhere we are. And so this power to be that God-loving Christian everywhere we are and to do these things comes from God. And it is great power. It's a power that is given to those who obey him. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. And it's not a power or a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. The Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey him, is not a spirit of fear and timidity, but of great power, love, and self-discipline. So you see, when we give up, submit, and obey. Holy Spirit power is now working in our lives to accomplish God's will. Not only to to accomplish God's will by working in our lives, but also to encourage us and give us the desires to do the things he wants us to do. Because this is going to be the next question. Okay, so what do I do? First thing I think we have to realize now, we got this great power that spurs us on to wanting to do things, enables us to do these things. We got to realize this power is not for us. I don't, God didn't give me great power to go make a million dollars and have this nice big house with a pool. Um, you know, sometimes that, that happens. I'm not just because you have a nice house and you guys knew what I meant. And so it's, so what do we use this power for? What is God accomplishing through us? Is God accomplishing any, through anything? us. So look here at this, at, at how uh, it's not meant for us here in Galatians and Mark. We see, yeah, sorry, I, I snuck that one. For you have been called to live in freedom, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use it to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbors yourself, But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. And Jesus put this nice illustration, and he called them together. He said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. We have a lot of proud leaders, and like, oh, I'm in charge here, and I'm this and that. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man, talking about Jesus here in that that first video we saw, the gospel, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this power, not meant for us, meant for us to take and use to, to... to tell people about God, to glorify God, to do whatever God has in store for us, but it's not for us. So how does he want us to use this power? So there are some things that we just know, obviously. Sometimes it's like, well, should I go left? Should I go right? Should I do this? Should I do that? Some of those are the individual to you, but some of the things we know God wants us to do are right here. Things we know are God's will for us in the church and in society. He wants us to be united in Christ. That's a big one. Think about this. How often are we at church or whatever? And, and I, I just read this funny, or part of a funny book the other day. 
Uh, I never read a whole book, it's, except for the Bible. But um, it says something about my generation, I think. Um, but anyway, I, I read this part of this book, and it's this guy's going on about his dream church. You know, it'll be like this and this, and very, very specific. But it's funny, we really are like that. We, we kind of have, church should be great and perfect. And, well, there's a problem with church where it's run by us sinful humans. And so, but then when we see, when we see anything that's not perfect or not right, we're like, oh, I'm out. I'm going to go find another one. You know, it's like we decided that what our experience here at church is more important than Christ. You know, and, and one thing I got to say is just one thing that has just blown me away about this church. And, and I am, because I am so very different from Mr. Bill especially, and so many people were very, very different. But they don't get annoyed, or maybe they do, but they hide it at me for being crazy. They, they know that I love God and my purpose is Christ. And, and I know that's their purpose. And so that right there it just... It, that's all that matters. We, live, we can live in the reality of heaven, so we should not be split apart by these things that, that really aren't a big deal in light of eternity, in light of heaven. Because we're meant to be one body, remember? All these different gifts meant to feed one purpose, and that's God's purpose. When we go to heaven, we're all going to be sitting there one purpose, glorifying God and and just in awe of his awesomeness and, and all these other things that, I, that I, we won't go into because I don't, I don't know. I haven't been there yet. Um, and so let us be united here. So let's use that great power to overlook our preferences and desires and maybe even times we've been offended. You know, all right, I'm not that great, remember? I'm here one minute and gone the next. Think about even just being united in a marriage. How difficult can that be sometimes? My, li- my wife is the most wonderful, amazing person, and yet, yet I, I will tear us apart sometimes. And I'm the worst. But then I remember what a fool I'm being, and Christ is way better. So another thing we know God wants us to do, he wants us to tell people. I mean, think about it. All right, if, when, when you are so excited about something, you can't help but to share it with people. We, we had a smoke detector that was beeping forever. You know, we don't know, where's that beep coming from? We finally find it. Oh, we got the beep. Oh, Kelsey, guess what? I got the beep. It's gone. Where, you know, I could, I was, that's this beeping smoke detector. I was excited to go tell her about it. When we realize how, how God has done what he's done for us. Sorry, I keep walking behind the pole. And when we, when we realize what God has done for us, and how we come from dirty, rotten sinners who just who have no hope. And then when we understand that, we're hopeless. And then we understand the goodness of Christ. And then we understand how some people don't even realize they're here. We want to go tell them so they know, so they will repent. So they can then run with Christ too. They can then have this gift also. It, this is, people do not grow up knowing this. I was very fortunate. Somebody explained the gospel to me when I was very, very, very young. While I didn't always submit to it when I knew I knew one day that I'm not living it and so I knew what to go to chase down to look we should tell people the truth so that at least whether they want to follow it or not they know the truth is there live as a new person how often do we want to say well this is just the way I am well I I did this for so many years so so this just kind of changed me molded me into this so this is just the person I am uh, remember Remember that part in Romans where God will make you, create you anew. He will, I, I can't remember the exact wording at the moment, but we are new. We say goodbye to that old stuff and we are now God's. 
So the things that were driving us and controlling us and making us dirty sponges, we, we, we don't have to be controlled and wallow in that anymore. We get to be wrung out anew. We just want to resist being wrung out sometimes. Love God and each other. kind of goes back to being united. Love God so that we can be united and love each other. Remember, each other are God's children. Even people who are in obvious sin against God, God still loves those people big time. Support, encourage, and provide for one another. It doesn't matter how you do it, but do it. One of, one of the cool things, it, it can be any number of things, but one of the really fun things, we have this group on Thursday nights that Kelsey and I get to be a part of, um, and they're just really awesome. And somebody will like, send out a, a, a message or something, sometimes saying, I'm struggling with this. And then they get a bunch of Bible verses. And then recently, uh, one of the guys, he sings up here, he, he mentioned, we should sing hymns during group. And so we started singing. I mean, no, no music. Just, well, I know, nobody's coming to our group because I said this. That's okay. Um, we started singing, and, and, it, and it, it was really cool. And then recently, somebody, people start posting songs now on our group chats. And so, like, encouraging songs, and sometimes Bunny Foo Foo comes in and stuff, but that's okay. And <laughs> somebody surprised me the other day when they sent a serious song, and he's like, yeah, I had to put my serious face on for a second. And, uh, anyway, anyway, the, the point is, it doesn't matter, supporting, encouraging, providing for each other, that's a big deal, because this is a tough walk. It's tough to be wrung out. So here's the things we know God wants for us in church and in society. We don't, have to, we don't support just people who are non-Christians. We still love people and support people who aren't Christians. And we do it in a Christian way. And that glorifies God really cool in really neat ways. So, so you're like, all right, where do I do these things? How do I do them? And how do I get energy to go do them? So I, uh, the, the reason I say that part is you don't want to wait to be energized. You want to wait to say, all right, I'm feeling it now. I'm going to go support someone or I'm going to go do this or that. So just start doing it. Because remember, he's giving us the desire and the power to, what, to do what pleases him. Guys, I have three kids, and at one point, they were all under three. And, and when, the, when the fourth one comes, it will be four under four. So I, I do no tired. If I, if I waited to be energized and ready to go, I would never get off the couch. But, so, so, don't, so just go and just try. Give it your earnest effort to, to be God's child wherever you happen to be. So how do we move? How do we take steps on this path that God has made for us? An earnest Christian will make this their number one priority in life. That is to find God's direction for their lives and commit their every breath to it. This includes things like parenting, teaching, supporting, creating, leading, following. How do you be just the best follower you can be wherever you are? You guys are exactly where God knew you were going to be with exactly the gifts and the abilities he knew you were going to have. He could have created you at any point in time. He could have put you in any place in the world, but he has put you right here, right now to, for one, see his greatness, to see our need for his greatness and then to empower you to do exactly what he has in store for you to do. So if you, if you work, work your best. If you parent, parent your best. And look at how God wants you to do it. Look at how he's guiding you and directing you in these places. Whether you're at home, 
at school, at the grocery, on the field, at the church, wherever you are, what is your God's given, what is your God-given mission there? Because he's, he's primed you. Now let him drive, let him steer, let him mature you. And then fulfill your, your God-given purpose in the places that he's putting you in, with the power he's given you, that same power that he, it was used to reconcile us back to him is now used to build up God's church. And we're talking about great power. There are some unbelievably powerful God-given gifts that, that get called out in Corinthians. And, and these, are, these are big. These are more than, than our, our ability to lift boxes and to see, see well, hear well, speak well. These are, these are big, big deals. In 1 Corinthians 12, we've got it's a lot of words. There's a lot of gifts. And so it's the same God who works in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, he gives the ability to give wives his advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. Healing. I mean, a crazy deal. He gives someone the gift of healing people. It, it's a big, big one. He gives a, another person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophecy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. That's a big deal. While another is given the ability to speak in unknown languages and someone interprets, it's one spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides what each person should have. And so we talk about, and, and once again, we're all together. We're all Christ's body and we're all part of it with these gifts. So what is my gift and where do I, I fit in? You know, it does help to kind of get a, an idea. But remember, if we don't do the things that we know God has put before us, those bullets that we listed a few minutes ago, if we're not doing those things, how can we expect to, to develop into receiving our mature, a mature, unbelievably powerful spiritual gift that God might want us to have? He's got plans for us. He's got a way to make it happen, and he's doing it. So if there's a lot of time and resources here at the church even that, that goes into, here at this church specifically, and others also, that, that go into helping people find out what does God want me to do? What is my purpose? We've got a 401 class and, and, and just all kinds of discipling opportunities and discipleship opportunities. And there's even a packet in the back. It's kind of like, how do I get kicked off on finding my spiritual gifts, using my spiritual gift? There's even a test that helps you identify it. So if you want to pick up one of those in the back, there's a little packet I meant to bring up and I would be showing it like this, but I didn't. But Use that to, to help kick you off if you're lost and confused. I mean, you could, you could also do what I did, and I just started trying. I started walking, crawling, running, and listening for his voice. And I had to remember, well, I got to first do the things that, that I know he wants me to do. And like, for example, one of those big ones was one morning I was like, God, where, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And he reminded me, well, I've made you a husband and a father. First, you'd be the best husband, real husband, real Christian, godly husband to your wife that you can so for the longest time, uh, that, I ignored any other past, but how do I be the husband God wants me to be? And that took a lot of energy because I am so filthy and rotten. And so that from there, it moves on to the next and the next. So start where you know and give that your earnest effort. 
as you start trying. So this is, we kind of walked through the path of maturity and I'm trying to summarize it here a little bit as best as I could. I'm, I'm a very jumbled person. You'll probably figure that out. But this is kind of what we did today. We humbled ourselves to hearing. All right, maybe we need to hear it. Identified God in all his awesomeness and glory. Identified that we fall short of one single unchanging perfect standard and need Jesus. We, we humbled ourselves to hearing the truth. Identified God as awesome and identified here is the standard. Humbled ourselves and submitted our lives to God so that we could be restored by Jesus who is the hope of the world. And now we mature by God's power into the likeness, not to be equal to, but like Jesus to the likeness of God as we follow his path to spiritual maturity with an accurate picture of the world and ourselves. That's the path I tried to, we tried to follow today to be on a reality check that resulted in motivation to the standard. So, so really, we got to give God control. We saw it in the beginning. God is the reason we have hope. He gave us life. We rejected him. He gave us another shot at life. So we got to let him have it back and let him do what he's going to do with it because he does it with great power and love. So give him control. He can so easily be snuffed out because he loves us and he lets us choose. He doesn't want slaves. He doesn't want us on leashes or in cages. He wants us to choose to be his. So he lets us reject him. But we also have the opportunity to let him have total control of our lives so that it can be well with our soul, so it can be well with us, so that we can be everything he is intended for us to be, which is his child and with him forever. The band's going to come up and play two songs. Control, and It Is Well With My Soul. It, just two really, really neat ones. And and if if any of this is encouraging to you and you want to start jumping out, just ask. Ask any of us. The kiosk, the packet, whatever you want to do. We're here to help because we've been helped and we've been loved. So pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are uh, spoiled by you. We're we're rotten. We don't deserve these amazing gifts, this amazing love. You've done it time and time again. Your your voice is the gentle, a loving one, and, and we submit to that. We want to be like you. We want to be just wrung out and to glorify you and not ourselves, because we aren't, but you are. Thank you, thank you. Amen. Thanks, guys.